The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. On today's episode of Down the Wire, we have another fire guest for you guys. It's Mike Vandegard. Ever heard of him? No, you haven't. But you get to know him on Down the Wire. The former Philadelphia 76ers scout joins us, talks about the NBA draft class, his previous classes that he got to work with, and we have so much more to discuss. All happening today on Down the Wire. Number 78, Down the Wire. What is up? My name is Tom Wirtz, here with my brother Dave. This is Down the Wire, where we talk professional sports in unprofessional ways. I'm so hungover still. Really? Oh my god. Yeah? You got like that last night? What do you expect? No, it was a great night. It was awesome. It was I had a, a long time. day. It was. It was. It wasn't fun. just not like you only had uh, like the one show. Don't forget, I had wrestling, autonomy, and the midnight show all yeah. last night. Fuck, I'm dead. You were busting it. You were busting it. It was a fun night. We we got to do our second edition of autonomy. I thought it went really well. Other than our mother being a really big heckler the whole time for you. Uh, that was really great. I thought Awkward. that was funny. Yeah, it was really funny. It really was to me. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was so for funny some... that no one laughed. Yeah, that's also true. But I, I can look back at it and laugh a little bit. Um, I had a great night afterwards, too. And I want to lead off this because I hope this guy fucking finds this podcast. All right? We're getting Let's serious. Go. I don't know who this guy is. Um, but you'll know. You'll know after I describe this story. So I decided with a couple of friends yesterday to head out to Water Street. And we linked up at McGillicuddy's. We immediately all wanted to use the restroom right away. It That's was, cute. It was a thing that like we all had to go. And Did there you was go in pairs? Uh, no, there was no buddy system for this. But it was pretty much a group decision like yeah i i gotta piss uh breaking news <laughs> debo samuels has signed a uh 73.5 million dollar extension three years Ooh. with the uh, 49ers wow 58.1 million dollars guaranteed in his bag in his bag so i'm at the bathroom anyway right <laughs> i'm the next one in line i'm just gonna open up this uh supper club right here too not a sponsor, but please, they're really good. Let's get them. Um, I, I'm in the bathroom line, and as I'm waiting to go in the bathroom, everyone at the front of the line is complaining about how it smells like shit in the bathroom. And there is a guy currently in the only stall in the entire bathroom. Get it, boy. Blowing up the bathroom, right? And you know what? 
I'm not even complaining about that. If you got a shit, bro, I'm sorry, but you're going to get some shit for it. What, what are you supposed to do? Yeah, you just shit, okay? Yeah, you just happens, okay? This is the worst part about the story here now. I'm the next one in line, literally looking into the restroom as there are two guys pissing and this guy's coming out of the stall now, okay? This guy mm. comes out of the stall, is immediately on his phone, and begins to walk out of the restroom. And I was like, you're not going to wash your hands, bro? Like, I, I, I called him out? Yeah, I did, like that. All right. And he's like, no, I just got in here, bro. I said, you're, you just walked out of the stall. What? <laughs> like, what do you mean? And then he proceeds to say, I'm a menace. And then just walks away and leaves. Hey, man, he knows. He and knows. everyone dude. behind us was like, oh, dirty ass dude. The whole thing. Like, I what cannot What if he walked believe. down and just, like, grabbed, like, two ladies right on the butt cheeks? I, I could not believe. Dude. I couldn't believe it. It was the most disgusting shit I ever saw in my life that this guy owned it. He he just said, I'm a menace. I was like, wow, that's so disgusting. <laughs> just, just was so gross. Grossed out by it. So we left right after, pretty much. And then we went back and got drunk at the Brickyard. Cut a hit classic. There it is. Should we talk some sports? We got so much sports to talk about. How about we... Just to start off the podcast, thoughts and prayers to the Russell family. Yes. Uh, Bill yes. Russell passing away today. Just this morning around, uh, what, 11, 12 a.m. I mean. A.m. 11 p.m., 12 noon. So It was, uh, I mean, a legend. First ever African-American coach in a North American pro sport. Like, that's an amazing accomplishment. Don't that's a player sick. coach, too. Right, yeah. I mean, awesome. Obviously, we know about the rings. I mean, no one won more than Bill Russell in the history of the NBA, at least. And a phenomenal player when the sport was there. And not to mention a big-time humanitarian uh, off the court, too, and the stuff that he did. Um, as I talked about earlier with a, uh, a friend of show, Ray Cash, uh, he is more than just a legend. He's an icon. Oh, for sure. And they, the... The finals trophy is named after him, right? The MVP trophy? Yes. As well as it should be. A legend to the game. Uh, 88 years old, though. Very full life. Very awesome. To, it's going to be weird not seeing him at those finals presentations because he's always there. But Bill Russell. Okay, should we get into maybe some NFL talk? I'm kind of itching to talk a little football. I'm getting excited, man. Yeah, we're getting really, really close. It's, let's, uh, it's, let's give a little bit of the news roundup because we, oh. had, we had a weird week with that. So I'll highlight it to start it off with this whole dispute in Carolina between Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield. This is really fun to me because, honestly, I don't know why we're expecting Baker to perform over there. And the reason, you know, he just got there. I mean, he just got there. It, it would not surprise me if Sam Darnold starts week one because he was with the team last year and Baker Mayfield doesn't have the playbook down or whatever in the right time. That that could definitely be something. That's been a big story right now. And Sam Darnold looks like he's coming for his job, too. He's trying to keep it. Um, who do you think is going to be starting week one, Sam Darnold or Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield. Really? I have no faith in Sam Darnold, but I have been shitting on Sam Darnold for quite some time. Yes, so yes. This is nothing new. I do like Baker Mayfield. 
I actually think his game is much better than he has been playing. Um, he just needs to he, he needs to show some level of patience. And if he doesn't get flustered under pressure and uh, have a pretty solid O-line, which, unfortunately, I don't think the Carolina Panthers have that. But, um, you know, if he's able to kind of sit in the pocket a little bit more and, you know, take a deep breath, he might be able to do good things. That is what I think is the Carolina Panthers' biggest question this offseason is, or this training camp, is their quarterback battle. Let's go through the NFL teams. And let's go through their biggest questions that Bleacher Report has for the NFL. Oh, you want to you want to get into the article? Is what you? Had. I think that's what we're going to do, right? Yeah, I like that. So the article itself, though, is a little less than that. It's just the biggest question questions that can decide each NFL division race. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I so like it, it's a little bit smaller than that. Uh, written by Mo Moten. Remember, we mm. we talked with Mo Moten, or not with him, but about Mo Moten. Oh my God. You're, you're thinking what I'm thinking? All right. Let's get him on. Yeah. Mo Shit. Moten's coming on the pod okay. at some point. He's going to ask for, like, fuck tons of money. Well, he's just, No, he's not. He's going <laughs> to ask for, like, 50 donuts sent to his I'm house. okay with that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, first, right off the bat, it's the AFC East. Can the Dolphins' revamped offense pose a threat to the Bills? You know, I don't know, man. I, I want to say yes. I want to say yes, but that's just not true. The question should be the Patriots, not the Bills, right? Yes. I, yes. I think that should be the question, Mo Moten. I'll say that. Uh, if, I think the Dolphins can sneak a second place and sniff wild card potential this year, right? Yeah, I, I was actually even thinking a little bit broader than that. How about a threat to the AFC? Because I really do feel like Tua is going to take a decent side step this uh, upcoming season. And you're going to see the Dolphins make the playoffs. I think we're going to see how valuable Tyreek Hill can be. That's Ty- what I'm ready to see in Miami. And uh, their new head coach. I, I always It's Mike, the, the IT guy looking dude from... Uh, McDaniel. Mike McDaniel. I, I, I can I, never I had to remember think of his, his name, name, too. I, I totally spaced out on yes. it as well. Uh, Mike McDaniel. And I think he's going to pay dividends because... The guy is pretty solid. Now, the only thing that is kind of lacking on that offense is the running back core because it's basically a bunch of dudes that are like middles of the season fantasy. Miles Gaskin, wire. like, I mean, oh, it's even less than that. You know what I'm saying? No, it's, it's like Raheem Mostert. Like, it's a bunch of dudes that just have no business being started. I think we're going to see a lot of Tyreek Hill use like Debo Samuel. That's what I can see next year. Not necessarily at running back packages, but I think he's going to get a lot of fly sweeps, and you know he's going to be utilized in some way in an option, probably. You, Mike McDaniel was doing all that cute shit with Debo. You got to remember that. So I can I can totally see Tyreek Hill, one of the best athletes in the NFL, adapting to that type of game plan too. Yeah, and we're we're definitely going to kind of give our predictions uh for the season in one of our future episodes. I think that's coming up in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I would say probably 2 or a 3 month, 2 or 3 uh, end of August. Yeah, somewhere around yeah. there. All right. Uh next up, it's the AFC North. So is our answer no to that by the way then? No, the offense of the Dolphins cannot yeah, it's not. It, the, not the question it's not going to get changed. Yes, it's not the Bills. It should be the AFC. That's what we'll say. Yeah, because I, I do think that the Dolphins make the playoffs. I really do feel like they make the playoffs. 
All right, AFC North. AFC North, what's the Browns' quarterback plan? Well, this just came out today, not necessarily breaking news, but they are planning on having a decision on Deshaun Watson tomorrow is what it looks like. Um, And that's going to be interesting. Oh, well, it's going to come out today. You guys are listening right now, obviously. So there should be a decision out on Deshaun Watson. We don't know that answer while we're recording this right now. Is it going to be six games? Is it going to be eight games? Is it going to be 17 games? Is it going to be 34 games? We don't really know, I guess. But whatever whatever happens there, I think, is a big tell. Jacoby Brissett, how many games can he win in a season, realistically? I don't know. With the... With six games, if you win two of them with Jacoby, I think you're probably pretty happy in Cleveland, right? Uh, I mean, you would like him to win three. If you if he goes three this, and three, I, I brought this up last week, right at the tail end of the podcast. It just it can't be six games. It just can't. It can't. Eight games. It can't. Feels so wrong to. I feel like another year kind of really is where I'm at. With I it. might. You might. You and might I don't be think able to possible. make me to to like begrudgingly make me accept ten games, and I still think that's wrong. I, I'm sorry. I like the QB situation is clearly going to go through Jacoby Brissett, and they just hope to survive, or they plan for 2023. Well, the thing is. I, yeah, I think they gotta hope to survive at first. Why would it, it, depending on the suspension too? You know, if it's if it's seventeen game suspension, why not plan for next year? Let's get him a weapon. You know what I yeah. mean, or something like that. If it's six games, yeah, Jacoby, go out there. Let's try to win three of these. Maybe we play Pittsburgh or something in that first six weeks, and they don't have a quarterback situation that's really healthy right now. Playing in Cincinnati and Baltimore is not ideal for their situation like that with no Deshaun Watson, but mm-hmm. we'll have to see how their schedule lays out and what the penalty comes for with Deshaun Watson. This question is yet to be answered. I, I don't think we can't answer this until tomorrow. And unfortunately, it's definitely a good question. It's a good That's question. A false question. Yes. Mo Moten, you're on. You're on right there. If Deshaun Watson's the quarterback for the entire season for the Cleveland Browns, it's anyone's division. Well, that's not happening, so don't worry about that. Uh, next up, AFC South. Has the Titans offense lost its steam? Um, right, let me let me start this one off. What fucking steam comes out of that offense other than Derrick Henry? Okay? Like, anyone it's who wants... Like fizzles. Anyone who wants their Ryan Tannehill smoke, go get it. Go get it. I, I'm all for the Ryan Tannehill smoke. I am not sold on Ryan Tannehill as a franchise guy. If Tennessee is, I I get it. He's been having seasons that have been improving, and he looks, like, really good on paper. The eye test just doesn't go with me. It it doesn't go. I don't like what he does. Derrick Henry is an absolute beast, and I think they can continue to rely on him for years to come. He got hurt for the first time last year. Let's see how he bounces back now. Well, now it means he's probably more susceptible to injuries. And now we have to see no A.J. Brown in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill. That's his best weapon. He's in Philly now. Yeah. That's going to be a big hit. That's going to be a big hit. The answer is yes. They definitely have lost steam. Because the minute you get rid of A.J. Brown, you're just not replacing that right away. 
And I know that they went out and they got one of the rookie wide receivers, right? They did, and I can't remember which one. I can't now. remember which one it was either. It wasn't um, Drake London. No, that's Saints. No, Drake London's Falcons. Um, oh. What did the Saints get? Fuck. Don't, let's just not embarrass ourselves <laughs> anymore. Okay. Uh, but yes, they yes. did go out and get one. They of did dudes. get one. I know for sure they have a wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, and I know, I'll figure that out by the end of this podcast. Okay, it's not George Pickens. No, that wasn't in the first one. Because uh, Pittsburgh is creaming themselves over George Pickens, which is just ridiculous, but <laughs> relax. Um, all right, so next up on our questions list is the AFC West. Can the Broncos go from worst to first with the addition of Russell Wilson? Uh, Traylon Burks, by the way, is Traylon who they got. Burks. So... That's their game plan right there. And as for the Broncos, I don't know if I'm very high on the Broncos. I'm not there yet. That's the hardest division, the toughest division in the NFL right now. There are three teams that are four teams very capable of winning that division and making the playoffs. So Exactly. Who are you supposed to be confident in right now other than Kansas City who's already been there, done that? But but like you said, four teams that can – easily be seen winning the division so the answer is yes you can see them going worse to first yes do i think it's going to happen probably not uh, i know our good good buddy uh to the show grant bills does not believe in that he doesn't buy the the broncos hype train in fact he hates russell wilson let's ride <laughs> yeah no no the best is the like multiple takes can you can we please mark mark it in here? I want you to to put country, the multiple takes ride. of let's ride. let's ride, let's ride, let's ride, let's ride, let's ride, Broncos Nation, let's yeah, ride. Yeah, <laughs> just put that video in. Put it right in there. Um, I, again, I don't know. I don't know. This is a very strong team. You're going to see a lot of production. Got a lot of, of weapons. Got a lot of power around them. And the defense got. Uh, a little bit better. They added some good pieces off that. PS2, best nickname in the league. Uh, well, that's a that's another discussion. Okay. I don't know about that. Maybe. But, yeah, I, I can see them. I just don't know. The only one that is a real proven commodity, really, is Kansas City. You know what I mean? Even Oakland, who got Vegas. substantially better. Sorry, damn it, I always do that. It's going to happen forever. Vegas. Uh, who got substantially better adding Devonte Adams and um, I think it's gonna really pieces. help them. I'm I'm starting to buy in on like Devonte's gonna put Oakland over a little bit. Maybe with help his them. Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, what what do we got now? I'm gonna say I I can see it. Yes, I could see it's, Russell Wilson yes. having an MVP caliber season. Maybe you never know. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't. Yes, I'm in the same boat. Uh, NFC East, will A.J. Brown balance and elevate the Eagles' offense? Uh, He will balance it, but it will be rebalanced by Jalen Hurts weighing him down, so it will be counteracted. I really think that that was a huge pickup for Philadelphia this offseason and an underrated move. Like, A.J. Brown was solid weapon in Tennessee over there, and with doing it with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback – the only problem is he, he probably got a downgrade at quarterback now, and he has Jalen Hurts there. I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts. We've been over this. I want to say yes to this, though, still. I think A.J. Brown will add a level of dynamic and add some sort of dynamic that will change Philly. 
And you remember last year, they just were really good at running the football regardless. So I think A.J. Brown can block better than most wide receivers. He'll be, an implement, he'll be implementing parts in there all day too. So he, he's going to help regardless. I mean, this, this all depends on Jalen Hurts' progress as well. I know that we're kind of doing this a lot, or at least I am. We're, we're, I'm adding like caveats and, you know, asterisks. Hey, this is our damn podcast. Damn all straight. Right? Take that, Mo. Uh, but yeah, I, I think. Okay, Twitter. It's okay. Hey. It's all right. What? Just an itch? Uh, I, I think it all depends on Jalen Hurts. He's going to be putting on some muscle and working out that arm throw because he didn't really have the best ability. Uh, we, we all saw it. If he can become more accurate and add an extra 10 yards to his arm. Yeah, that would be fucking ideal, man. If DeGrom could throw 105, no one would touch him either, too. I think that's more than doable, though. That's that's something that mm. can easily be done. If he's just practicing on, on getting some muscle mass and being able to throw with it. I'm sure that's what he did all offseason. Go, go to the Chris Platt compound, Jalen Hurts. Uh, that's the Cranberg compound. There you compound. go. There you go. And um, I I think it might be full of other people right mm. now. So Is Ben Stimmons still enrolled there? I'm sure he oh, is. Oh, God. He's never leaving. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up is the NFC. What was that? Uh, south, I think, maybe. No, North. How will the Packers offense look without Devontae Adams? Mm. I, I'm hearing good things. I'm hearing nothing but good things out of these these young wide receivers and I'm really giving a shout out to Brian Gutekunst who is giving a big F you and saying hey listen we're not going to be able to replace Devontae Adams it's just not going to happen and he might be the most talented wide receiver to ever be in a Green Bay Packer uniform so what we're going to do is get a wide receiver by committee that adds up to Devontae Adams that's what their game plan is I think that's a smart move and it works it works, man. They're, they're, Christian Watson's not quite practicing yet, but Romeo Dobes and Dubs. Dubs. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it's and all, all about them Dubs, baby. Dubs. And uh, who's the other one? Who am I missing? Uh, Sammy Watkins. Oh, yeah, that's the one. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. But anyway, I'm hearing good things out of Aaron, and the clowning of Devontae Adams' statement to... Is this, is this where you want to yeah, wax poetic a little bit on, on Devontae Adams? This is what I'll say. When you're going from one Hall of Famer to another, <laughs> like it's just easy, baby. All right? Aaron Rodgers, I think he owned training camp. Everyone was talking about Aaron Rodgers for training camp, whether it was him dressing up like Con Air or the comment about Devontae Adams. Everyone wants to hear about how, when's the last time the Packers were on Hard Knocks? Why is that never a thing? They don't want to. Oh, they actively yeah. avoid that. I guess. That makes sense. And I think to be eligible, to be like in, um, like forced into hard knocks, you have to have either, I think it's like a losing season or like, out, like not have been in the playoffs. Mm. It's something like that. And the Packers just don't do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they've been Fair able enough. to. Fair enough. I don't want them on hard knocks. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think... If that happens, then the the NFL can come in and say like, no, 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 you're doing hard knocks. Really? I think so. I I know there's some 
some language out there. I would be I, I interested in some sort of Packer documentary during training camp. Man, you'd I would see be. all these goddamn uh, like the the bike over and st- shit. And as long as they're not going to Kroll's, was it Kroll's West? Oh, where the one place where you can eat the prime rib? Yeah. Remember, we went, we went there that one time. We went there that we were one like, time. like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's good enough. <laughs> like, it's, it's not enough to be like, Krolls! Ah! <laughs> Just calm your pants over yeah. Kroll. Okay, next. Hold on, I didn't even oh, get to sorry. answer this oh, yeah. shit. First of all, I want to tell you right now, I have been on the Romeo Dubs bandwagon. For quite some time. I need a Packer jersey this next year. I don't have one anymore. I, I think, think Robio Dubs is going to be the X factor of this Packers offense. I think he is going to be impressive. You are going to be surprised. And I'm not saying he's going for a thousand yards or anything. But I would say people probably expected uh, four to five hundred yards out of him at, at best. Maybe. Sure. I'm going to say he has... Over 750 yards this season. You think any Packers receiver gets over 1,000 yards this year? Absolutely not. No. No. Not one. No. Okay. I think you're going to see a a bigger focus on the running backs with Aaron Jones and uh, A.J. Dillon. And that's going to lead to the passing game. You know what I'm... You know what I always say? The Packers are a running team and they don't know it. Like, when they run the ball... Effectively, they mu- they are much more likely to win that football game. Absolutely. Always. Always. Let's move on then. All right. Next up, it's the uh, NFC South. And is the Saints defense good enough to slow down Tom Brady? No. Which, let's, no. let's actually start no. off with another piece of news that happened this week to go into this question. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers signed Julio Jones. Yeah, that's so fucking unfair, bro. No, he's going to snap. He's going to snap. You really yeah. feel that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I oh do. Oh, my God. Well, yeah, okay. I feel I feel like with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin maybe healthy to get back there, Julio's not going to be the guy. He's going to go And who's the off. other guy? Uh, there's one more, too. He's got, a, he's got a, like a kind of a cool last name. I can't think of it. Like, is it Savage or something like that? Uh, regardless. Receiver? Yeah. Mm. It's, it's it's one of the other or is it Gore? I, I can't remember his fucking name. I don't know. It doesn't fucking matter. Um, I, that's the only thing that Julio's got working out for him is that he's going to be the number three. I think it's going to really help him. I think he's going to go off. I bet you he has like six, seven touchdowns this year. Ooh, yeah, I could see it. Could see it. A little bit of a resurgence out of him. I am not super high on this. And look. I don't think he's first team all pro. Uh, am I? I think he comes back a little bit. Do I wish the Packers uh, like he could have been on the Packers? Sure, but I'm glad that the Packers did reach out and gave him a con- or like uh, attempted to give him a contract that was worthy of Julio Jones. I think his system and what he's going for fits Tampa more. To be fair, I, I do think he would. Excel better in Tampa's offense. Yeah, but and he's kind of ring chasing. Right? Oh, a hundred percent. And they give 100%. him a fat, They give him a, the biggest contract that he had on the table. I yeah, mean, why not? Why not take it? Right. Tom Brady wanted him, baby. He wants him. The Saints, I don't think, have a shot to catch Tampa Bay this year. Do you think so? 
I get it. They kind of own them in the regular season, but it's Tom Brady. I'm done betting against Tom Brady, man. I'm uh, sorry. I'm not uh, doing that. It was Chris Olave. That was the, the wide receiver. Saints. Yep. Do. Okay. I could not think of his name. I'm still man. all in on Tom Brady is probably the favorite to win the Super Bowl until he's knocked out. They did get Tyron Matthew. They did get Marcus May. I mean, it's... I get it. It's not the worst. I, I don't bet against Tom Brady. I just don't do it anymore. I can't. I can't do it. I look stupid every time. I'd rather die on the hill of Tom Brady than bet against him and be right. Saints are 4-1 and one against Brady. I believe a, it. A, They're always the dominating them. Trevor Simeon comes in and cooks against the Buccaneers. I don't know why, but it just happens. I'm, I'm still riding Tom Brady's wave, man. I, I love rooting for him on Tampa a little bit, too. So yeah, much more I, fun. I think you're right. I I don't think. Uh, don't forget, Dennis Allen is the coach. Yeah, we'll have to see how that plays out this season. Defensive too. coordinator too. So maybe that 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 helps. They the brought back Jameis, man. I'm just saying, Saints could be sneaky, maybe because of Jameis, but he should be the next quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. By the yeah, way, let's go. Cool. I'm fuck I'm, you, Jordan Love. God damn it. I'm sure, but Jameis would be cool too. All right, last up, NFC West. The burning question, is Trey Lance ready to take over the 49ers offense? Sure looks like they're saying yes. Give me some Trey Lance love, baby. I am hearing Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty much not practicing. He's preparing to be traded. Who do you think he goes to, like Indianapolis? That's kind of... That's Indianapolis just traded. For who? Matt Ryan. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I totally forgot. They did an Indianapolis before I could think of the Indianapolis move. My my one Cleveland for the year. No, no, no. They wouldn't trade him to Seattle. They won't do the in division. Chicago. Ew. Ugh. The Chicago Bears are not really big on Justin Fields, dude. That would be gross. And it's such a Chicago move. Oh God, I'm cringing for Chicago fans. I'm I'm doing that for you guys. That. Sounds awful. Could you see maybe uh, say, stay in the division, uh, division go Detroit? That's interesting. They're kind of. That's interesting. They're they're kind of iffy on Jared Goof. I know why. Why would you be confident in Jared Goofball? Um, I guess I could see that. That's interesting. I would play that. Him and Dan Campbell seem like they would really get after it together too. Okay, how about this? How about? Wait, don't steal one of my quick hits if you're going to do that. No, I was talking about Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, keep going. Keep going then. Fuck you. Go ahead. Sorry. (laughs) How about he goes to Pittsburgh and eventually loses his job to another rookie quarterback? Kenny Pickett. Yeah. What do you think about that? (laughs) What about... uh, He's going to be like the Bills back Atlanta? Oh, maybe. Honestly, Atlanta's probably the biggest destination. Texas? Houston? They they sucked so bad. They sucked so they bad. Sucked. Oh, my They're God. Jimmy so Garoppolo would be out of the league. <laughs> uh, but that's that's going through all the divisions then. And I think we're wrapping up at a pretty good time to get into our next segment here. Yes. We have another big interview that honestly came really out of nowhere into so our laps it fell into our laps. big shout out for my guy tony from texas tony maki got us the hookup talking to former nba scout mike vandergaard formerly with the uh nba's philadelphia 76ers and let me tell you mike 
is legit. I think we're best friends now. Oh, my God. We might be pretty close, at least. We're definitely able to ask him for advice, I think. Dude said he is always uh, ready to jump on and talk basketball because Texas doesn't do basketball. We might we might be reaching out to Mike in the future. I I'm 100%. hoping that we I'm hoping we can hey, continue to work with we Mike. We need to stop talking to let Mike talk. Yes. So here's that interview. All right, everyone, we have a big interview today with us is former NBA scout primarily with the uh 76ers from what I uh, had done my research with. But it's Mike Vandegaard. Uh, Mike, why don't you say hi to everyone, uh, everyone listening to Down the Wire. Big shout out to uh, Tony Maki, our, again, our mutual friend, for getting us on, getting us connected. So uh, you can say whatever you want to him because we are, we are definitely not one of those PC, uh, PG atmospheres. So whatever you got to say to him, you know, <laughs> let him know. Well, hey, I appreciate being on here. Mike Vandegaard, uh, live in Austin, Texas, been in the NBA for 20 plus years, became friends with your boy, Tony, and uh, glad to talk to you guys today and share some stories. Yeah, that would be awesome. That'd be super cool, Mike. So Mike, why don't you like give us your version of your Wikipedia page to your journey in sports scouting? You know, you don't start off going right to the NBA, I'm sure, right? You got to get a little bit of a footing in the door somewhere. Where'd you get your start? Where you, you played a little bit before? Is that my understanding, right? And Yeah, yeah. So I, from was, there. Uh, I, I was a player in college. I played at Illinois State, the Illinois State Redbirds in Bloomington Normal. Uh, played in the Missouri Valley. Uh, great time there. Was lucky enough to be good enough to get an opportunity to play professional ball. Um, didn't play in the NBA, but played in both South America and Europe. And then after that, I transitioned into some college coaching. I coached at a junior college in Burlington, Iowa. Um, and then I joined, uh, and then I came to Texas, man, in what, 1997? Um, started coaching at Southwest Texas, which was a smaller D1 at the time. And now it's turned into Texas State. It's gotten to be a bigger D1 down here. Um, that's just outside of Austin. And uh did that for four years. And then uh, the guy that recruited me to play basketball at Illinois State, his name is Billy King. Um, he was a, a college coach, recruited me um, out of high school, and I stayed in touch with him. And he was uh, basically general manager, president of the 76ers, and, and invited me to come work for them. And then he moved on to the Brooklyn Nets and was president of the Brooklyn Nets for a while. Uh, but I stayed with the 76ers for about 18 years. Uh, all the way through the Allen Iverson age, all the way through the Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons draft, all that. Um, and then, uh, you know, I did some consulting for some teams kind of after I, I left the 76ers. And, and that's my basketball journey so far. Awesome. And I love how you say so far, you're like still growing, still trying to adapt, be versatile all throughout the game. Uh, Mike, I, this might be a weird request. Can I can I have you stand up? Is that going to be possible? Like you're kind of tall guy, aren't you? I am. <laughs> I am. I'm about six foot seven, so I don't know if this is going to work here. But oh yeah, maybe not. Yeah, point the camera up when you stand up too. That would that okay. <laughs> yeah, I got my Moses. I got my Moses Malone jersey back here, signed from uh, from the '76ers days. I got my Illinois wow. Redbirds in the back here too. That's hey, amazing. Don't hey, sleep. this is cool. Uh, are we actually on video, by the way? We are. 
Oh, okay. I didn't know if we were for sure. If you see these two pictures right here, this is me playing against Michael Jordan. I should probably bring those in. There you can see how tall I am. That makes a lot better sense. That's back in my playing days. That's me versus Michael Jordan. That's two weeks after he hit his shot against the Utah Jazz to win his last championship. I was coaching Jeez. at Southwest Texas, and they had a charity game. And uh, not all the NBA players showed up, showed up that day. So they said, we need some ballers. Who wants to play? And I said, hey, I'm in. So I got to guard Jordan for uh, a whole night's worth of activities, and, and it was pretty awesome. And, oh, uh, yeah. Be best question for that, though. How well did that go? It went really well. Uh, oh, you'll be, shit. <laughs> you know, there, there's some Google stuff on it, but Michael had 45. I guarded him the whole game, but I had 35 on Michael. Oh, okay. And our team, our team won 117 to 111, and they stacked the teams. The only player on our team that was an NBA player was Michael Finley. Michael right. Finley had 61, oh, and I had God. 35. Former Wisconsin Finley, Badger, Michael Finley. Yeah, wow. we go, we go to the, we go to the center court, you know, to start the game, and Michael Finley goes. Hey guys, I guard Jordan night in and night out. I have no interest in this charity game guarding Jordan. He ain't guarding me. I ain't guarding him. Who wants to guard him? And I started jumping up and down, going, "Please, please, please! I'm guarding him." So um, it was it was a great evening, fun memory. Uh, got some pictures from it, and then uh, some I'll remember forever. Absolutely, absolutely. That is so cool. And, and look, don't sleep on your uh, high school, uh, Jefferson High School a hall of famer right here uh that was one of like the very first things to pop up so you know can't can't sleep on your time there uh now mike you know what did you like about your scouting career uh you know maybe like something you didn't realize that would be such an integral part of your day-to-day -day work you know just just evaluating these players uh, my job was basically 98 percent evaluating college talent trying to figure out what players could actually be really good at nba players and there's there's no exact science to it um, but if you really you know if you work hard if you care and you work on a good team with quality scouts quality you know management um you know you can you can usually find some guys that are really going to help you and i'll tell you what my first 10 years with the 76ers um you know, you can go down the line. Almost every draft we had, we we nailed it out of the park because when we had AI at the early on, you know, we weren't we weren't drafting in the top ten very often, um, almost never. And and every time we had a draft pick in the late teens or in the twenties, they ended up being long term NBA guys. And uh, I'm really proud of the success we had, especially my first ten years in the league. And yeah, and you talk about that. How how is it drafting later on in the drafts? Because you know when you hear about the NBA draft, it's very top heavy. Usually, there's one to maybe five guys that really light up a room when you talk about them. And then, if you're a team with good success, you're stuck gambling. Basically, that's why they call it the lottery. I would assume for the rest of them uh, it, to try to find something that might've fell and been a diamond in the rough. What goes into your mindset when you're trying to find that kind of guy? 
Well, I think it all depends upon where you're at. You know, if you're in the top five, you're star hunting. I mean, obviously you're bad for a reason. There's a reason you're drafting in the top five. Your team isn't very good. You need the best player out of that draft if you can find him, if you can get him, if he's still available. You know, once you move down the line a little bit, you get into the, you know, mid to late lottery, you're hoping to get a really quality, you know, NBA starter. Um, Once you're out of the lottery, probability is you're not finding a starter. You're just finding a a good rotation role player guy. Um, And then once you're in the second round, you're basically just trying to find a guy to make your team. Now, are there, you know, surprises here and there? Is there a a Jokic, you know, standing in the second round that's going to turn out to be special? Absolutely. Um, but, but, you know, you gotta, you gotta understand where you're at. And, and I don't think people realize how difficult it is to play in the NBA, you know, 60 guys get drafted, not all 60 make it, you know, a few guys that don't get drafted, make it, but I mean, there's a legit 40, 45 max 50 guys a year that make it like, think about how difficult that is, um, to play in the NBA. And, and like I said, I was so proud of my time with the 76ers. You know, we drafted Samuel Dallenbear in the 20s. You could argue he's not the greatest player, but he played in the NBA 10 years and he was a starter. We drafted Drew Holiday in the late teens. We drafted our highest pick was Andre Iguodala at number nine, which was hitting it out of the park. You know, we drafted uh, Drew Holiday, like I said, uh, Sam Dallenbear, Iguodala. We drafted Vucevic at 15. You know, he's been an all-star. you know, and then we got some second round picks that were studs. We got Lou Williams, great player. We got him, I think, at about 45. We got Willie Green, who is now coaching the Pelicans. He was a great, you know, role player in the NBA for 10 years. We got him at, I want to say, 41. We drafted Kyle Korver at 51. I mean, you know, we really, really did nail it in that first 10 years. I was with the 76ers almost every draft. Uh, you were spot on, by the way, with that uh, Lou Williams, 45. So, uh, yeah. you know, right onto that. Cause I'm terrible when it comes to those things. Uh, you know, being Milwaukee boys, we have seen the talent that drew holiday has and brought to the bucks, you know, bringing us a championship. But what was that big thing that you saw that drew you into drew holiday? You know, it was interesting. You know, he was one of the top five rated high school kids. Um, and he was really a point guard when he was in high school, but when he showed up at UCLA, he didn't really have a great freshman year. Um, his numbers, I don't think were that high. I mean, this is a long time ago. I'm guessing they were eight points, four rebounds. Like it was nothing special. Um, but he was playing with Darren Collison, if I recall correctly, who was a senior starting point guard. Um, and you had to go back about what you knew about him as a high school kid and what a quality kid he was and what a worker he was and how he was able to adapt with a new position, you know, had some success, probably didn't have the success he expected or others expected, but you just had to project what you saw in high school as well as what you saw at UCLA. And, and, you know, we, we were ecstatic. He got there. We didn't think he would be there. I want to say it was 17 ish, but um, he, he, he was somebody that we loved and, and, you know, we were, we were hoping he would be there. We sure didn't think he was. And it turned out to be great for us. Now, you talked about high school there. Does that really take into effect a lot to most NBA teams? Like, we get it that they're scouted very highly at a young age, and AAU is huge. But if a guy takes a whole year off and doesn't perform maybe for how you might think he would have, 
uh, but they had such high high school expectations. NBA teams are still willing to take that risk on developing talent that they saw when the person was 17, 18 years old. Yeah, I think absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's a star-driven league, and the earlier you can get the players, um, there's a better chance they're going to keep growing and keep becoming better and better. You know, you're not at your max in the NBA till you know, 26, 27 years old, till 30, 31, 32. Uh, obviously, that age is maybe extending for the bigger, better players and in, in the way they, you know, work with their bodies these days. But um, you know, you're not a finished product at 17, 18, but you're a way more finished product at 22, 23. Um, so yeah, you definitely do that. And when I started, you know, scouting back in 2000, you can draft guys straight out of high school. You know, the, the Lou Williams, the uh, Monte Ellis, the LeBron James, the Kobe Bryant's, the Kevin Garnett's like that was still a thing back then. And I don't know exactly when they took that out, but we were scouting kids in high school you know, way back in the day. And now, you know, there's limited events. You can see these kids in high school action, but you can see them at all the USA events um, when they're playing for the national team. And then there's some other shoe circuit events that you can actually go see these kids. So you definitely track them in high school. Um, and when I got done with my time with the 76ers, I actually spent a lot of time studying these high school kids and doing that consulting work for other NBA teams and I started watching these high school kids as a, you know, freshmen in high school and sophomores in high school. And, and almost all these guys, um, starting with Shaden Sharp, he, he, you know, went early this year, um, went in the lottery. I watched him. And then all these kids that are going to be in the draft next year was really what the kids that I started watching in high school as freshmen and sophomore in the next, next up, upcoming draft. All right. Well, Mike, that that is super cool because we were, you know, kind of wa watching this year and especially with us uh, in Milwaukee, we're getting some mixed signals with someone like Marjan Bochamp, you know, that went to the Bucks. And one of the things that, you know, has kind of knocked him, at least in the the, uh, <laughs> you know, just around town is the fact that he's been to so many different high schools now. How much do you think that plays into his overall success? Like, does it, does that affect your opinion at all? If, you know, in your scouters mind, um, it, you know, Marjan is kind of a polarizing figure to this Bucks community. Yeah. You know, that's interesting. Um, I would say 10, 15, 20 years ago, it for sure was a real warning sign. Somebody going to multiple high schools, um, usually back then it was because you were having significant problems, um, getting along with teammates, getting along with coaches, chasing maybe the negative biggest, baddest, or the, the next big thing. Um, and that was a serious, you know, red flag in today's world. I don't think it's nearly, um, the red flag it used to be, you know, I'd love to have some, some, some more stability on a player. Um, but but kids are constantly being recruited. Kids are constantly trying to find the next base, that biggest, best thing. Um, you know, I look at Shaden Sharp um, and I love that kid. I love his talent. You know, he started at a at a prep school that he switched to a prep school that his senior year he didn't play at the prep school and transferred to Kentucky. And then he was supposed to stay at Kentucky. And then he came to the draft early. You know, the, these stories are just different in this day and age with social media. Um, and the ability to recruit and the prep schools getting bigger and, and, and better. Um, you know, IMG, 
you know, Montvert, Oak Hill, all these people producing these NBA guys. And now there's the grind league with all these prep schools. Um, it's just a different world today. So, and, and I don't know, you know, Marshawn's uh, background, you know, like I did years ago when I was really, really, really studying every player. Um, but yeah, yeah, I would say 10, 15 years ago, that was a major red flag, but, but today I think it's, it's diminished greatly. Okay. I can get behind on that. Now you can see my face too, Mike, hopefully. Uh, hopefully that doesn't make you want to leave Mike. Yeah. Got that, that all situated. <laughs> We're all good over here now. Um, Mike, so who are some of the guys that you, um, you know, were you a part of like trust the process era a little bit then there too? Yeah. yeah I, left, I left the 76ers. I think 2018 was my last year with the 76ers. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So, so go into that mindset a little bit of like trust the process and like, you know, relying heavily on draft capital to build a team. And, you know, especially when you have a guy who is a superstar in the league now, like Joel Embiid, you draft that guy. He has a really long road to the NBA, honestly, on top of it. And you start knew him he himself. was talented. You knew he was talented. But how do you, uh, you know, get that mindset to trust the process when you have a guy like that? Well, that wasn't my decision to make. Let's be honest. I'm just telling the guys who are above me what I think they should do in a certain scenario. You know, we had Drew Holiday at the time. Sam Hankey came in and started the, you know, the rebuild for the 76ers. Um, it wasn't my it wasn't my decision to say this is the right way to do it. This is the wrong way to do it. That was the ownership's decision and Sam Hankey's decision. Um, and I think when it's all said and done probably a pretty solid decision. Um, you end up with, you know, Joel Embiid, um, you know, and all the, all the, you know, opportunities at high draft picks and Ben Simmons, even though that maybe hasn't worked out perfectly. Um, you know, they're, they're, they are one of the best eight teams in the league. Um, I think realistically a couple of years ago, you know, if the Toronto Raptors bounce doesn't go four times and go in, they have a legit chance to play the Bucks to go to the championship. Um, I think, you know, surprisingly, you know, the Atlanta Hawks beat them two years ago, you know, and probably the Sixers should have won and would have had a chance to play the Milwaukee Bucks again to go to the championship. So, you know, when that process started seven, eight years ago, whenever that really was, um, we were in the middle. You know, our best player was Drew Holiday. We actually traded him on draft night. That was a little bit of a surprise to me. I didn't know we were planning on do that, but that's what started the rebuild. Um and to be able to say in eight years, you know, you're going to be, you know, where we're, where the 76ers are at today, you know, really one of the best eight teams in the league. And they have a realistic chance at a championship and they've had a realistic chance at a championship. You know, um, I don't know that you would have said that if you would have kept Drew Holiday and probably stayed in the middle of the pack. So, you know, that that's a big question mark in terms of the NBA. How much do you do you fight to win every game? Um, obviously the coaches and players do that every night, but as, but, but, but as an organization, sometimes you may need to make that decision. Um, this just isn't going anywhere. And, and the 76ers were stuck in the middle for a long time. You know, once Allen Iverson, you know, basically left the team, we got stuck in the middle and then we actually kind of built it up a little bit. And then we traded everything for Andrew Bynum. Like we traded the whole world. <laughs> you know, forget about that. Oh, 
I mean, Andrew Bynum played zero minutes and never played again in the NBA. You know, we traded Igudala, Vucevic, and draft picks for Bynum. And we were on the verge of being a playoff team with Drew Holiday, Down Bear, Igudala, Vucevic. Like, we were a fun – Thaddeus Young, I forgot to mention him. We drafted him. Oh, yeah, Thad Young, man. You know, we, we had a fun, young, athletic team. And we sold the house for Andrew Bynum. That didn't work. Well, then we kind of built it back up again. And then we traded for Elton Brand. And Elton Brand was coming off a major injury. And he wasn't quite the Elton Brand that maybe we thought we were getting. You know, so like we had two, three versions of maybe taking the next step. And it just fell apart for different reasons. And then they made the decision, you know, not to try to do that slow, grind it out, rebuild where you're drafting, you know, 10 to 20 every year and, 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 and do the, you know, trust the process. And, you know, I, I actually think it worked out pretty well. Yeah, it, it sounds like you were hesitant about trust the process, right? I, I mean, understandably. Yeah, well, my whole background was find the best player, figure it out, work your butt off. And it had worked and it had worked. We had found the best player. We had found guys to make us better. We had found guys to get us to the playoffs. And I had never been a part of, all right, every good player is leaving. We're going to get a ton of draft picks. I was hesitant. I, I wouldn't have necessarily said that's the decision I want to make. Um, but after going through it and seeing it and then, being super excited as a scout, we're going to have all these super high picks. Like that was a, that was a secondary thing. I didn't even, you know, think about now we got all these high draft picks. This is going to be awesome. We're drafting in the top five, a possible superstar. Like, so, so there was some real pluses to it. I was glad I was part of it. Um, it's an interesting story about time in the NBA and, and I can't credit Sam Hinkie enough for what he did. I think he did an amazing job with the 76ers. Um, some other people would argue, uh, but I was a piece of it. I was a part of it. And like I said, they're good. Unless injuries take MB, they're going to be one of the best eight teams in the league for another eight to 10 years. And, and if you get the right piece or two, you, you could win a championship. I say this about the Dallas Mavericks. They were super fun and interesting for 10 or 12 years. They got really lucky. They got the right piece in Jason Kidd. They won a championship. You know, I'll say that about the Phoenix Suns with Steve Nash and Stoudemire. They were the talk of the league for 10 years. They never yeah. won it. Huge bummer, but they were awesome. I would say the same thing about your Milwaukee Bucks. They did finally win it, but, you know, is that going to be a one-time thing? Are they going to be able to keep doing it? Like, they're super interesting. They're super exciting. They sell out. They're, don't you know, jinx us like that, Mike. You don't want to stop. <laughs> we, you know, I, I, I put, believe that I, every year is that championship team. Yeah, I'd put the 76ers in that same boat, though. They're going to be super fun. They were interesting. They're exciting. They had to trust the process. And I think the NBA should thank the 76ers for trust the process. Whoever cares about talking about the last place team tanking and getting draft picks? Like, it created a whole new world of media that had never been talked about before. You know, the San Antonio Spurs tanked to get Tim Duncan. The San Antonio Spurs are going to tank again now by trading to Jonte Murray. Everybody talked about how the San Antonio Spurs are the greatest, most respected organization. And I agree, they should be up there with it, with the best. But they did exactly what the 76ers did. You know, other teams have done the same thing to get high draft picks. And now it's, you know, now it's part of the NBA culture and, and lingo, tank, tank. You know, it was never a thing before Sam Hankey and the 76ers did it.
Well, that is like one occasion that, you know, thank God the, you know, the GM, it all worked out right now. What was that one guy that maybe you pushed for really strongly, but management didn't buy into him? And uh, maybe, now, maybe give one of your biggest picks that they went and took most of your advice that didn't go well as well too. Like give us your best, like, Oh, I knew he was going to be great. And like, Oh, maybe pass that one off to the next guy. Well, everybody knew Embiid was going to be great. I mean, he was going to be the number one pick in the draft until he broke his foot. People forget he broke his foot at a workout at Cleveland during yeah. the draft process. Cleveland was going to draft him number one until he broke his foot. So we were sitting literally in a workout with players on the court and word filtered through Embiid broke his foot and we were like, holy crap, this is great. This is awesome. Like we might have a chance to get him. We're at three. Like <laughs> we maybe can get him now. Like we were excited he broke his foot. Um, you know, so obviously that's probably one of the biggest, you know, biggest hits for us. But I'll, I'll go back to, like I said, I mean, Andre Gudala at nine was great. There was a bunch of guys in front of him that weren't very good. You know, Nick Vucevic was at 15. Um, you know, I begged, I begged our front office to get Kawhi Leonard, um, at 15 and Kawhi oh, Leonard, shit. I want to say, went <laughs> right before us. And I had some serious management and coaching staff pushback that they didn't think Kawhi Leonard was the guy that we should be drafting. And at that point there was a oh. bunch of trade, there was a bunch of trade talk about Andre Iguodala and they were like, well, who should we draft if we're trading Andre? I said, well, it's a no brainer. Kawhi Leonard's exactly Andre Iguodala. He's, you know, he's longer, he's stronger. He's a better player at the same age. Like he's a no brainer. And basically that got shot out of the water. Like, no, we're not drafting Andre Iguodala. So I was very happy that Vucevic was there at 15. Um, that was a great pick. Um, but, but if, if, if Kawhi would have been there and we would have passed on him, that would have, oh man, that would have been crushing. You know, that's a that's a pretty solid notch in your cap to you know kind of have and uh, flex a little bit over. So uh, now I, I know that you were part of the Markel Fultz, uh, yeah. you know, decision making. How? Like, why do you think you or the 76ers like Markel Fultz so much, and why don't you think it's worked out yet for him as an NBA talent? You know, Markel Fultz, I would say in 90% of people's mind was the number one pick. I think maybe some people will go back on what they really thought. If you go to articles at that time, it was almost a no-brainer that he was going to be number one. He had an unbelievable year at Washington. He had athleticism. He shot it extremely well from three. He had just a, you know, a hesitation pull-up game. And in a mid-range game that was as good as anybody that, you know, has played college basketball. He was a freshman. He was young. He came onto the scene late, which was exciting. Um, you know, as, as like a sophomore in high school, he wasn't one of the top rated guys. You know, he kind of became one of those guys as a junior and senior, and he was kind of a late bloomer. And such a great year he had at Washington. The biggest thing about Markell was he didn't really win a ton of games at Washington. Um, you know, that was kind of the only knock on him. It wasn't a talent thing on Markel Fultz. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes it happens. You draft a guy that high and it doesn't work out. And we actually had the third pick in the draft that year. I mean, we could have stayed at three 
and we could have possibly drafted Markel there um, or Tatum if he would have gone there. Um, but I think Boston made the decision that they did not want Markel Fultz and they were willing to take the chance to move back. Um, and, and, you know, we decided we wanted Markel Fultz. We needed that second playmaker, uh, you know, that could score and, and, and be that second playmaker next to Ben Simmons. And, and Markel Fultz was, was the perfect fit if he would have been what you thought he could be. And, and he hasn't turned out to be that way. Obviously, something happened with a shoulder, with some injuries. Obviously, this last year he had a big injury. Um, but on the flip side, he's not, he's not a bust by any means. I mean, going number one, you expect a lot more. But we, we hope he comes back. I mean, he was averaging, you know, double digits last year. He was playing well. He's a good defender. He's a good athlete. He's for sure an NBA rotation guy, probably a starter for a lot of teams. And, and hopefully he can overcome his injuries. He's still a young kid. He's, he's, he hasn't even come close to hitting his prime yet. Yeah, you would love to draft that number one, you know, one of the top 10 players in the league. I doubt whether that's going to ever happen for him, but he can still be a real quality starter in the league. Yeah, that's amazing. That, that's that's a great way to put it. Great way to put it. And uh, I think we got to get Mike on the next like Jake Paul card with Andrew Bynum and see how that goes right there as well. Too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how your boxing scouting is, Mike, but we are all about trying to get everyone on the face of this planet to fight with Jake Paul in some way, shape or form. So. That, hasn't, hey, that hasn't gone well for anybody that's fought him. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Well, <laughs> well, just to be a part of the show in general, I, I don't know how you feel going against uh, Bynum, but I, I think I think you'd take him. Oh, man, that's 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 a big human being. People don't realize how big these NBA guys are. Um, you know, yeah, I'm a pretty, yeah, you look at you. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm six, seven. And when I walk around the state of Texas, I'm a pretty big guy. When I walk around Minneapolis, where I grew up or Wisconsin, there's a lot of guys running around the world like me. Um, but there's not a lot of us in Texas. But when I get in NBA circles, I'm just average and I'm dwarfed. I'm dwarfed by the Joel Embiid's and the Shaquille O'Neal's of the world. Like it's, it's no joke how big these guys are. And if, if anybody's never been to an NBA game before and you get a chance to sit in the first 15 rows and just watch how athletic and how big and just how amazing these guys are from just a size and physicality standpoint, you got to do it, man. There, I, I don't think there's a better live sport in the world if you can be up close and personal than the NBA, just seeing how big and athletic these guys are. It's amazing. So – Going uh, again, back to the Milwaukee tie-in. Yeah. Where were you feeling Giannis Antetokounmpo? You know, obviously the the biggest hidden gem in more or less history. history. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe Jokic, maybe Jokic. But yeah, it okay. was Giannis until That's, Jokic. It was Giannis I, until Jokic. I would say both of those guys are 1A and 1B. I'll tell you what. I, I saw not Giannis play live. Very few people did. Um, and a lot of people maybe have saw the Disney, you know, uh, movie about his life. And there's a lot of accuracies to that, but there's some inaccuracies to that. Like everybody knew who Giannis was. Giannis was getting drafted in the lottery or top 20 picks for sure. So that's a little bit of a stretch, but I saw him play on video a bunch. We actually had two draft picks that year. That was the, like the first year we had a bunch of draft picks from trust the process. We drafted, 
Nerland's Noel and we drafted Michael Carter Williams both before Giannis. And we had long conversations about Giannis. The biggest thing is he didn't play against anybody. He was six, seven, six, eight. He was just playing against eighth, eighth graders. Like you could not literally evaluate him. <laughs> I watched him. I said, he looks amazing. He's got skills. He's got athleticism. But he, I mean, he's playing, literally, he was playing against eighth grade kids. It looked like my middle school son's team he was playing against. <laughs> there was no way to evaluate him. So you just had to put your faith in, cross my fingers, hope this guy's great. And anybody that thought he was going to be what he is is absolutely lying. Now, you could say, hey, I think he's going to be really good and maybe a starter and this and that. And maybe someday if everything goes perfect, an all star. But no one predicted he was going to be top two player in the league. I mean, that it, it's amazing. Uh, I'm excited and happy for him and his family. You know, now they just signed Alex to a G League contract. So they got all the honor Kumpos under the Bucks banner, which is really neat. Um, it's a great story. He's a great person. Um, you know, but, but man, it, I like, I can't, that's the strangest thing I've ever seen drafting a guy in the lottery that was playing against eighth graders. Like I, I can't <laughs> describe it. It was like a gym with no lights and two, two wooden benches on the side. And this six, seven freak is running around. Like, yeah, he was awesome. He was awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure people would call you crazy for wanting to do that. You know, going back at it, like if you're trying to trying to be what is that, 2013, and you're like, okay, number eleven, we need to take Giannis right here. And like, who? <laughs> yeah, you know, at some point, yeah, at some point, it becomes risk reward. You know, we had the sixth pick and the eleventh pick, and we weren't willing to do it. We talked extensively at eleven, like, are we really going to pull the trigger? And that was above my pay grade. You know, that wasn't my decision yeah. to make. That was Sam Hankey's decision to make. Um, and, you know, we ended up doing pretty good. Nerlens Noel has been in the league for a long time. He's been an off-and-on starter. It wasn't a very good draft at all. Um, you know, Michael Ooh, Carter. Yeah. That was the Anthony Bennett draft, right? Yeah. 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 And, you know, Mike, Michael Carter-Williams was rookie of the year, and I think we knew he probably wasn't going to be what we wanted him to be. So we actually flipped him, I think, to Milwaukee. To Milwaukee, um, yeah. Yeah, we, we we tricked Milwaukee into taking him off. <laughs> so you know, I mean, it, it turned out fine for us. Um, and then you never know. You do you do something and you get Giannis. You know, maybe you don't end up with Embiid. You know, so um, you know, and and people don't people don't talk about that a lot with trust the process. You know, one of the biggest things with trust the process, Joel Embiid broke his foot. Well, he was out two years. Well, if Joel Embiid doesn't break his foot and plays as a rookie, we're immediately not the worst eight or 10 teams in the league, you know? So the trust, the process was really helped by him breaking his foot, sitting out two years. Then you get, you know, then you get Ben Simmons, you get the opportunity for another number one pick with Markel Fultz and, you know, the rest is history, but that that's a huge piece of the puzzle. No one talks about is, because he broke his foot and he didn't play for two years, we still got to be really bad. Otherwise, it would have taken basically one year, and we would have been back in the middle with Embi. You know, that was uh, that was like on your big board on trust the process was Joel breaks foot. Yeah, <laughs> and then you know what? Ben Simmons sat out a whole year too. 
Yeah. You know, ben Simmons broke his, I want to say his foot as well. Um, he broke his foot and sat out. So we had two top three draft picks that didn't play, which extended that ability to draft in the top five a couple more times, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike, this was awesome. Uh, this was super cool. I think this was a great opportunity for us to get to know each other, meet you a little bit. Like, you are welcome back whenever. This was awesome. Please do. Maybe you will. You can be our designated like scout guy all the time if we need it for sure. I think that would be awesome. I assume uh, you're still like, even <laughs> if you're not actually scouting, you're still scouting on the side or for fun because absolutely. you know, you know you that's, that. the, that's the thing. I tell people all the time. I live in Texas. Everybody wants to talk football and football's awesome. I love it. Love the NFL, love college football, but I want to talk basketball and I live in Texas and I don't ever get to talk enough basketball. So if there's ever a reason to talk basketball, Hit me up, fellas. I'd love to chat again and and uh, be on the podcast. I love listening to some of the podcasts here in the last couple of weeks. They're awesome. They're a lot. They're a lot sillier than I am. I don't bring that energy and silliness sometimes. But oh, then oh, we we'll get you there, Mike. We normally play. You'll be magic, Mike Vandegard, by the end. There of we go. Right. I like it. I like it. <laughs> so if there's ever any basketball talk you want to have, hit me up, fellas. I appreciate it. That's great. You got anything you want to plug? You got any projects you're working on? Stuff you want to get out hey, to yeah, the anyway, people, people foundations, can support you. whatever. You know what? I'll, th I'll throw this out there. I'm part owner of CoachTube. CoachTube is a platform for kids to, uh, and, and adults for that matter, to, uh, you know, gain knowledge on any sports, whether it's archery, bowling, wrestling, basketball, football. We have big name, big name coaches in the NFL, the NBA, college football college basketball they put up you know videos on on you know just teaching kids how to play the game the right way there's millions of different courses on there um coachtube.com it's a great place to you know you know gain some knowledge on any of the sports that you're interested so i'll plug that a little bit thank you so much for coming on mike mike's the goat man Honestly, like to get these the back to back interviews with between legendary Jason Stewart and now uh, having Mike Vandegard with us as well. Legendary down the wire guest. God, we fucking slayed it. I was we were putting in work, man. We were putting in work, both of us to get those done. That was that was kudos to us over here. We're doing a lot. We're doing a lot. And expect here. more. Expect more. Of that. Oh, for sure. It's not over. Grind Tom, never stops. Tom and I have been reaching out to some very random people we we could we we do have some in the round we have some rounds in the barrel you know what i mean we might we might be firing some stuff off but we're just checking the gun right now so be prepared we're gonna have more interviews for you to listen to and get those those earworms in let's go you're not gonna find a range of guests anywhere else other than down the wire i'm gonna tell you that right now we can get pro athletes on here we can get professional whatever the fuck else <laughs> and it doesn't even matter yeah we get it yeah scouts yeah real life shit but in unprofessional ways okay <laughs> okay that sounds worse <laughs> that's bad phrasing we can get them in unprofessional ways what like what blackballing them yeah for sure <laughs> all of these all of these interviews have been hostage interviews. Oh none, of, <laughs> none of these people agreed to be here with us. That's oh. exactly how it all played out. Should we get into some hot takes? Hot takes. So I have a hot take. And my hot take is Josh Hader gets traded for Juan Soto. 
that's a very hot take. That's my hot take. It's my hopeful hot take. I hope it's a framework. I I think it would be very stupid for Washington to engage in this. But why not? I feel like Josh Hader has a lot of value right now and could possibly draw a little bit of interest in some way, shape, or form. And why not for Juan Soto? We'll add in a couple of other bats as well. I don't want to give up uh, the 18-year-old. What's his name? Starts with an L. Jackson Churio. Jackson Churio. There, I don't... Is, there is literally no L in that at all. Yep. I, <laughs> Jackson Churio and Sal Freelick. I don't want to give up those guys. What about Joey Weimer? Mm, for Juan Soto? Bye. Okay, Bye. That's really easy. Nice. Nice to know you. Corey Ray. Oh, my God, dude. Please, someone take Corey Ray. He is not even on the, the, the in the club anymore. Yeah, he is. He's in AAA. No, he got uh, – I thought he got uh, outrighted. No, we got Corey Ray still. I know. It's ridiculous. Right. Fifth overall pick in, like, 20 – what? Oh one, maybe? I don't even know. This guy's 48 years old. 48 years old in our minor league system still. And Keston Hira. Throw that all in there. Give me Josh Hader, Joey Weimer, Corey Ray, Keston Hira for Juan Soto. Yeah, that's not happening. I would do it. I'd do it. Yeah, of course you would. Do it, Washington. Do it. And uh, while you're at it, there's a lot of names. I'll give you Brad Boxberger. Don't do that. And Brent Suter. Okay, do that. And his publishing rights to his baby binky book. My computer turned off. Uh... Yeah, but there's a lot of names being talked about right now, so it, it'll be interesting. We'll probably review all the trade uh, stuff next week because, you know, that's what we like to do. Is, yes, um, but we are judgmental people. We are not predictionists. Frankie Montas is probably gone. No. Luis Castillo to the Mariners. I really like that one. Ah, no, no, no. Just no, no. saying. Say just that for wanted, next week. Just wanted to say that one real uh, quick. Joey Gallo's probably going to get gone. Brewers, question mark. Please don't do it. Okay. Uh, well, and that's going to be my hot take. Brewers aren't doing anything. Okay. I would rather the Brewers do nothing than get Joey Gallo. Really? Yes. I am not buying into that. Are we not the official podcast of batting average? Was that not us? Well, we were, we were pretty damn passionate about batting average. We were padding, uh, padding. We were (laughs) passionate about batting average. Yes. But... Change of scenery is listen, a thing. Listen, batting average at 159, I don't want it. I don't want it. He's not in it this year. He's not in it. He might turn it around for batting 220. That would be turning it around. I, I'm not all in on that. I'm sorry. He has not shown the ability to not strike out every other time it feels like he's up to bat. He's not hitting as many home runs as they want from him. I get it, Aaron Judge and whatever the else fuck steroids and all they're doing in new york, new york are doing enough of the home run hitting so it's not a big deal but that's why they're trading them they don't need them anymore it's just eating up money at this point all right uh well here's my take uh on that unfortunately or fortunately they came out of the gates swinging from the all-star break uh puns entirely intended right there but they have had a flurry of runs uh, ever since the midseason break. And to me, that is going to give them a built-in excuse to do nothing. Which, all right, fine. This has lasted 
Will it last, though, going into the playoffs? I don't know. Uh, I wish they, I really do wish they get a bat. I I was... I feel like they just need to do something. And I'm not saying, like... How do you feel about Josh Bell? I'm okay with that. Yeah, but then that takes Rowdy out. Does it? Well, then we got McCutcheon to play the outfield. Mm. Are we confident in that? Kutch has been pretty good, dude. Puts him in, what, left field or center field? Something like that. That takes out Johnny Davis. I'm, I kind of like Jonathan Davis. I don't think he's terrible, too, man. I, I'm. It's it's a weird lineup that I really don't hate as much as I want anymore now. But Josh Bell does add a level of dynamic to it. So we'll, we'll see. Just, we'll just have to wait and see whether or not they actually do something. Should we get to quick hits? Yeah, quick hits. Quick hits. Um, we're going to cycle back to training camp and fucking highlight Dan Campbell here doing right. up-downs with his team during training camp. I, w- I just wish, I wish Dan Campbell. What are you doing? Nothing. It just turned on. Oh, my God. On. So rude. Dan Campbell doing up-downs with his team. They counted up to 11 in the video. Um, I think that he probably did more because he's Dan Campbell. He's a fucking dog. I wanted to highlight that. Shout out to him. The Lions, I think they're on the rise. I think they're on the rise. They might win five games this year. They might win five games. That sound about right? Man, I have been buying into this idea that Detroit might be the second best in the NFC North. That's crazy. Grant, you're talking to Grant too much. I really like no. that idea, dude. No. And I know that seems seems a little crazy, but they're not. You just, we're just calling their quarterback goofball. Okay, but that's because I Jared Goof is a great nickname. You can't even deny me that. He actually didn't have that horrendous of a season. I don't think it's what Detroit's looking for. Okay. And it won't be in their future. But Dan Campbell... I'm going to be really hurt if he loses his job. I'm going to be really Never. hurt. He's got a lifetime contract. Um, next, I will say I wanted to highlight uh, this. <laughs> where, where, where are we here? Logan Paul. Logan Paul, man, just keeps balling out. Okay? SummerSlam yesterday. That frog splash, that was a pretty sick spot. It was legit, dude. That was – how far out do you think that was? Oh, uh, I, I would assume twenty feet. No, I would fifteen say feet. Maybe fifteen. It looked clean, man. I watched it frame by frame. Yeah, he was all and, in but on don't it. Forget, he also jumped pretty high. Yes, I mean he was coming off of the top, uh, top ropes. You know, is that a good or a bad thing? Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to say that was. Yeah, he rate, might, he rate might... that spot. Oh, for 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 a wrestler, it's. It's probably like a seven or an eight for Logan Paul. It's it's a nine or a ten because okay. the, you know you just don't make those correlations. Was it clean though? It looked clean, Very right? Much. But this okay. Uh, I'm gonna kind of springboard a little bit off of this point because uh, I had I wanted to mention some wrestling, but I'm not going to because I have other fun things to talk about. But one, Vince McMahon retired. Fuck him. Uh, he, we said this last week already. Yes, but Triple H took over, right? He is now the that executive vice president. So he's got all the creative control. First thing he did is he took out the NIL deal that they had. So that stand, uh, stood for the next in line, which 
a lot of that was you trying to reach out to um like sports influencers one to try to uh brand with them and two to potentially get them in wrestling so no more actual trained indie guys that they were trying to to make their own product they got rid of that if you didn't hear about the SummerSlam tryouts they were a fucking disaster lots of injuries concussions and the like so triple h said fuck that you know and now i know some of our guys on chair shot uh want to tell me that that was you know it, it, the NIL had nothing to really do with all that. That's just not true. That's not, at least in my opinion, whatever. Going forward, you're going to see a lot of new stuff come out of um, the WWE. And to me, it, it's it's refreshing. And you kind of saw it with SummerSlam. They said it was a great SummerSlam. I have not watched it. But, man, I, I'm looking forward to hear, uh, seeing and hearing the things that are going to change in WWE going forward. Do you know the results? Like, should I not say what happened? I do. I know the results. You can go ahead. I was just going to say with, like, what do you think of the angle of putting Logan Paul over? Hey, man, The Miz is the master of that shit. He's so good at just jobbing out like a pro. Uh, (laughs) Wisconsin Miz right here. Mm. Uh, I'm not saying I'm I'm up to his caliber, but I am very good at losing in wrestling. Uh, oh, also, are you gonna are you gonna shout out the brother while you're at it, and his? I did have him next on my. Go right ahead. Yeah, Look at that transition. So Jake Paul's not fighting anymore, and I'm p- pissed, bro. I'm pissed, and it's because now I'm full on Jake Paul's side. I, I've adapted the whole way, and I think these motherfuckers are scared to fight him. And I'm not saying I'm the first guy in line to go fight Jake Paul, and. He had an issue making weight. Sure, whatever. Maybe Jake Paul's paying these guys to miss weight or have an issue because he's worried. But it sure looks like they're bitching out, and I'm not for it. I'm not for it. Uh, yeah, because dude came out on Twitter. Uh, I forget who, who he was Haseen Robin. He came out on Twitter and straight up said, like, this was not me. I wanted to do this fight. This is all on the Jake Paul's party. So... I wonder what nefarious shit... Again, we've already said this. I've already said this. This is all fucking fixed, in my opinion. Mm. I'm just saying. I don't know. I don't know, man. Tyron Woodley sold like that? That's fucked. Well, it's not selling if you're getting the shit kicked out of you for money. <sighs> to get knocked out like that? Throw, a, pun- throw a, a fight, dude. Throw the fight. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be amazing marketing then. Amazing. And those those brothers, man, they just sell. They just sell. I get it. And no Charles Barkley to live golf. That's my other quick hit. Oh, my God. Did you love that video I sent you the other day? Which one? The guy just, like, straight up calling uh, to Phil Mickelson. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was so fucked, dude. <laughs> like, was that, guy, was that guy being serious? I don't know what it was, but I was enjoying it. It was very awkward. Can you uh, can you clip that soundbite right here? Yeah, I'll put it in. Yeah, right for here. The Saudi royal family. Did you not love that guy? Just say, okay, do I'm it so, for I'm the sorry. Saudis. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am sorry. I'm very sorry. Jesus Christ. He's like, what? I was trying to be supportive. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. You're not sorry. I really am sorry. You're a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, right? <laughs> 
Uh, get your quick hits out. Oh, mine. Okay, cool. Uh, first, I got a, actually a good amount of them. I just wanted to quickly run over the XFL teams. They got to announce the city uh, cities themselves. So we don't have any of the, uh, what's it called, the team names yet. But the, the teams that will feature in the XFL are Las Vegas, Orlando, San Antonio, Arlington, Texas, mm. Houston, St. Louis, Seattle, and Washington. So Vegas, Orlando, and San Antonio are the new additions to the, to the XFL. What do you think about that? Yeah, man, I, I was calling this from the jump that Vegas is going to be the sports capital of the world one day. Well, that one was pretty easy for the XFL. As soon as they, as soon as they made, as soon as they made sports gambling, the size that it is today, Vegas is going to blow up, man. I'm trying to get there right. Well, while it's because that's going to be the spot, man, no income tax, they're going to have all the pro sports in no time. Wait till they send the fucking A's there, uh, and they'll find out something to do for basketball. That's the next basketball team is Vegas, I think. All right. All right. Yeah, I just wanted to go over and that. And San Antonio getting a football team. Shout out to them. We'll have to uh, review. That might help for the Hispanic fans. Sure. Yeah, it might help. We'll have to review uh, the team names when, when those come out. Because yeah. I would say and the assume, jerseys, of course. I would assume within the next couple months we're going to get that. It's for next spring, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to get XFL football again, baby. Uh, going back to the uh, Wait, WWE. We'll, real, real quick, will Antoinette watch XFL football because of Dwayne The Rock Johnson? I mean, she, I, I don't think she's going to, but if it was on, she'd watch it. Okay, fair enough. Go ahead, next. Going back to the WWE, speaking of those SummerSlam tryouts, did you hear who tried out? I did not. Motherfucking Dwight Howard was there. Oh, God. Legitimately pining to become a WWE uh, trainee and eventual wrestler. Jeez. Why? Um, okay. His fucking knees, dude. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. That's interesting. When's Gable going to get there? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I have no clue. The dude's still at the training center, I assume. Okay. He's not, I don't think he's doing uh, any, what's it called? Um, NXT stuff. Just curious. All right. Uh, I just, again, wanted to touch on this. I have a lot to, to bring up. Uh, next up, Madden Hotline. Did you hear about that? No. So Madden instituted uh, a call line in which people could complain about ratings. Fans can complain about the ratings. Yikes. First day fielded over a thousand calls yeah <laughs> yeah this is the worst thing they could have possibly done no yeah not a Why? good move not a good move did you we you know what we also forgot to bring up you see that aaron donald choke drill no what? oh what you didn't see that no. go ahead you go on to your next quick hit maybe and I, well i'll find it right here it's aaron donald Basically gets this undrafted rookie to follow him around who I'm assuming he just calls him bitch face. Like, that's kind of what it seems like with this drill. Uh, he gets to practice this new drill on him that just obviously chokes the other guy in the neck and allows him to get fucked up. Oh, I did see this. Yeah, that's an undrafted that rookie who just gets that job. Wait, wait, that that was a drill? Yeah. I yeah. thought it was him just like... Being weird. No, no, that's a drill that Aaron Donald wants to practice. Oh. Yeah, I did not take much stock into that when I saw it. I thought it was just like him being goofy. Nope, nope, that's real. All right. Well, that's not real. fun for number 69 either. Ayo. Nice. Nice. Well, I don't know. I've 
69, I might as well get choked while I'm at it, too. hey Wow. Uh, speaking of training camp, too, we didn't talk about it. The Kyler Murray clause, no clause. Yeah, this is really weird. So it came out this week that uh, in Kyler Murray's contract, there were, uh, what was it? A, he needed to do four hours of independent study, a.k.a. homework, each night. Um, and then all of a sudden, there was some major blowback to that. And comes, what is that, Friday or Saturday, they said, oh, no, that's not a thing. That's not a thing anymore. They removed it. What the fuck was that? Um, I don't know, man. Me personally, that's not a clause I want in my franchise quarterback's contract. Um, well, we already know and Kyler we, Murray's overrated as fuck. Well, and we know that I don't think either of us think he's the answer over there. I, I see a little potential. I do. He's talented. He's He's got a cannon of an arm. He's an athlete for sure. But I don't think he's quite there yet. Maybe he can get there. I'm not really excited to give him $230 million, to be honest. He has not won a playoff game. He, obviously, you have some sort of issues with trust if you wanted to put four hours a night on him because you didn't think he could do it. How are they going to track that? Probably an iPad with, like, recorded time for the playbooks, right? Oh, I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah. Because I would just be like, ah, yep, I'm doing it. I heard, uh, I think there was a ball sack out on another Jamarcus Russell report, but it was, they did it towards Kyler Murray. So it was beautiful. Like they gave him the blank tapes and he went home, but I'm pretty (laughs) sure it wasn't a real thing. Uh, Next up, I just wanted to quickly touch on this. It sounds like Brittany Griner is finally coming back. Um, Well, they trade off, or at least. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a trade. Brittany Griner and Paul Whalen. Uh, I believe he was a journalist, right? Uh, no, former U.S. Marine. Oh, U.S. Marine. That's what it was. Uh, the, in exchange for Russian arms dealer, Victor Bout. Yeah, the Merchant of Death. That's his nickname. Classic. Yeah. Classic. I, um, I, gee, we better get two Americans for him. Well, look, I, I just wanted to bring that up because, man, say what you want about the whole deal, but no one deserves to, to be locked up like that. No, crazy, uh, crazy time to get caught up there, and yeah. super glad we're working towards getting her back. Yeah, uh, you know, and say what you want about Br- Brittany Griner, but again, you know, she, she shouldn't be locked up just for, you know, some illegal substances like that. Political I, warfare bullshit. Sure. Uh, next, uh, I also wanted to bring up they announced some of the names for the 2023 MLB Hall of Fame class. Let me just quickly go over them, and you tell me if they're in or out. Okay. Okay, ready? Carlos Beltran. Maybe. John Lackey. No. Mike Napoli. Uh, stop. Matt Kane. What is this list? Jacoby Ellsbury. Oh, my God. Andre Ethier. Have they just let anyone in now? Jason Worth. Dude. Jared Weaver. Oh, God. Houston Street. I think that one is the sneakiest second best one. Francisco Rodriguez. Okay, yeah, that one's He could make. do it. I could see K-Rod getting in. The rest of these guys. Carlos are- Beltran could maybe get in, too. I think, <sighs> I think he's got some numbers, man. Dog. Maybe not this first ballot, to be fair. He might be more of a third. I don't know ballot how many guy. of these guys even make the next ballot. Yeah, I wouldn't vote for this really anyone. When is Shane Victorino getting a shot to get in the Hall of Fame? Then what the fuck is that? Like, if you're gonna throw every other 
guy who used to be a Philly back that in the day. is so bad those are those are the early uh, uh notable names eligible for I think I could vote for k rod and Carlos Beltran confidently saying that right now <sighs> I could understand Carlos Beltran not getting in first ballot k rod I think could get in first ballot. Ooh, right there. I don't know about first ballot. Isn't that what it is right now? First ballot? Like this is you well, don't this, think anyone's this gonna is, ma- this is the their first yeah, first time eligible. But I don't know if I could if I could say he gets in first ballot. He will get in though. I'm I'm just saying that's a rough He's got the record for most saves in a season too. Yeah. That's gonna help him a lot. Just a fucking rough list. Maybe though. Carlos Beltran. But the cheating probably didn't help him, so all right, and my last one is easily my favorite, and thank you for being so patient. There was so many quick hits this week. We talked about this. Gardner Minshew. Did you see his Instagram post this week? Was he naked? Um, well, first, let me show you. Look at this picture. Oh, almost. Uh, Gardner Minshew posted an Instagram video, four minutes and 22 seconds, talking about his... Uh, his off-season workouts and stuff, and how he is getting ready for the Eagles' season by staying outside the stadium in a former prison bus. I don't, I don't want to be living in a, a converted prison bus. I don't care how nice it might be now, but oh yeah. So by the way, that's that's the prison bus inside. Yeah. I fucking love Gardner Minshew, dude. Like, just... I... I <laughs> that's a guy you want to be teammates with, dude. It is. He's going to go out there on Sunday and put his damn life on the line holding that iPad. He's not going to do anything else. But you know he's there to ride with you. Deadspin absolutely roasted him uh, when he a- they asked, uh, you know, out there, who's the target audience of this montage the Instagram floozies that he's already matched with on Tinder. Excellent. But I mean, seriously, the, the amount of shit that is on that bus that again, why you're going to have a need a tetanus shot, dude. I have one more quick hit that I totally forgot about, but I remember it's going to be really good. Okay. So I'm going to close it out with this one. Gardner Minshew come on the pod too like he's gonna be on one we day can get him one backup day. quarterbacks baby official podcast of backup quarterbacks did you hear about andrew mevis no but is that mevis and mutthead no no um andrew mevis was trying out for the jacksonville jaguars the andrew mevis sounds like a body part that i never knew what existed well he uh he's a kicker and a rookie he wildly missed three field goal attempts in warm-ups for training camp. All right, so he's got a shot. And they they didn't like that because one of them uh, hit the former Dallas Cowboys head coach Dave Campo in the head uh, so bad it hit a bystander while he was trying to kick this field goal. And he was immediately cut immediately cut after missing and hitting someone in the head. Uh, that seems to be a thing this week, though. Did you... Because uh, who was the... Uh, what's his face on the St. Louis Cardinals that beamed the first base umpire 
on a throw from third uh, sec, uh, from shortstop. Did you see that shit? I did not. Mevis had a really rough first four days. Pulled two short field goal attempts wide left. Uh, pushed one wide right during Thursday morning. Uh, he works for a local sports talk show radio now, Dave Campo. Uh, and it hit him while he was talking to a team official. And it just completely caught him off guard. Uh, Edmundo Sosa. Here. Look. Ready? Ready? Watch this. Oh, he's making the throw. Smooth. Boom. Beams the ump. Right into the temple, dude. Right. Welcome to the ump show, baby. So, uh, yeah, that's that's been... That's been uh, down the wire this week. <laughs> great episode. Great episode. We had a lot of fun. Mike was great. Vandegaard, thanks for coming on, man. That was awesome. We had a blast doing that. If you guys enjoyed this episode of Down the Wire, which I know you did, make sure you guys download us. You can download us wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora. I just went through the Podbean and made sure we were up on everything we're on like stitcher now uh pandora some other shit all over the place i don't know it's it's a crazy wild ride of podcasts we're on it i promise i promise you we're on it check us out on podbean if you don't want to download us that's all right you can always help us out by supporting us on thechairshot.com next week's down the wire will be at the uh, milwaukee sperm donation clinic be there Peace. Every time we do it, y'all, we do it with fire. Yeah.